everybody welcome to the 208th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage just got done playing rainbow six siege for an hour helping someone get to to level 50 so they can play ranked matches in the future well you may have been playing video games i finished off a tray full of nachos so tit for tat You had a better time, bro. (laughs) The Rainbow Six Siege community is extraordinarily toxic, so I had to deal with some shitters on my on my way to actually playing the game. So you win, you win the the post game chill sesh for sure. And we're coming at you live a little after ten o'clock West Coast time. The Lakers take a two one series lead, knocking off the Blazers one sixteen to one oh eight. In a game that was really kind of strange, Sage, and it was strange from my point of view because we have, I watch all my games on the ESPN app, whether that's on my laptop or on my PlayStation 4, and when the Thunder and Rockets went into overtime, the game wouldn't start. I kept getting, you know, your event is in standby mode, yada, 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 and then the game somehow started and I am relegated to this just terrible view of what they call their rail cam. So I can <laughs> kind of see what's going on, but it's basically just if I'm sitting courtside from one end of the floor and then it was halfway through the first quarter. Okay. You're only getting the Spanish broadcast. And I decided to k- kick it with the Spanish broadcast all the way through because I couldn't deal with Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Breen and Mark Jackson's asses, you know, talking down to us all night because those guys are clowns like they are terrible announcers Um, Breen's okay but Van Gundy and Jacks just I don't know why they are ABC slash ESPN's top crew give me Doris Burke and Mark Jones or Tariko and Hubie Brown any day of the week so I was a little bit relieved I got the Spanish announcers and thankfully we'll have uh, Jordan Kent and Lamar Hurd on Tuesday on Monday night excuse me but yeah it was just a really strange game like starting to watch it and then having to keep switching streams and finding it. And, you know, we got to halftime Sage and the Blazers were up four and I looked at the stats and and I I couldn't believe I was, I couldn't believe my eyes. I almost had to do a double take. I was like, wait, the Lakers had shot 31 halftime free throws Mm -hmm. to our eight. And we were only up four. And it's interesting because I was watching the game with Olga and she's like, Oh, you know, I think that's a good sign. Like maybe it'll even out. And my cynical ass, who has been around the block for 30 years, was like, oh, no, no, this is going to get much worse, and we should be at much more, but because of the foul discrepancy, we're not. And surely enough, Sage, it it didn't go Portland's way. The, The Lakers ended up shooting 43 free throws to Portland's 19. Uh, Kirk Goldsberry actually has the, 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 the statistic that after three quarters, the Lakers had shot 37 free throws to Portland's 13th. That is tied for the fifth largest discrepancy at the foul line in the last 20 years of playoff basketball. So Blazer fans just aren't out of their minds, you know, no, it was a, blaming it was a... random, you know, referees for the. This is a legitimate rig job. And it, it's clear. It's clear to me, Sage. Like, we both picked the Lakers to win the series, but – I watched the Blazers tweet out a video of the very first play of the third quarter. 
Hassan set the screen for Dame. Dame penetrated. Help came over. Dished it over the Nurk. Nurk bams at home, gets fouled by two Lakers. They even stop and look like they're going to, you know, they're anticipating the end one. No whistle. Like, and when pe- when I hear people say, well, the Blazers should have attacked the basket more. No, as a player, you don't attack the basket when you don't see the whistle. That That's insanity. And I thought the officials set the tone from the jump. And it's unfortunate because I thought the Blazers got really good contributions from Dame, CJ, and Carmelo Anthony. We're a jump shooting team. That's what we are. The only way you can generate free throws from that is doing what Dame does and when he feels contact, just launching. And he does that pretty well. And then if they're stupid and lunge out at you, I think that we should have attacked the basket more. The Lakers go for contact. We have to... We have to get easy buckets somehow. And the easy buckets are free throws, second chance points, and fast break points. Getting to the line should be a lot easier than it was. We need to put the pressure on the the ref's call fouls. And I know that there were uh, plays where Nurk got fouled and it didn't get called. You just have to force the ref's hands. Like The free throw discrepancy was the Lakers' margin of error. I mean, that's the only reason that they won the game. Like, you can call me a salty Blazer fan. Call me whatever name you want in the book. That's fine. Like, I I watched the game. Like, the Blazers are down four significant rotation players. They shouldn't have to play a perfect game to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And I thought they played well enough to win. Did they make some mistakes? Yeah, of course they did. Every team makes mistakes. There, There is no 86 Celtics out in the current NBA field. There's a lot of teams that are pretty closely contested, especially mm. when you throw in the bubble factor where there is no travel and no, no extended rest and the no home court advantage. So you're just getting an open gym five on five. It's just really disheartening, Sage, because as a small market fan – and you've been with it with the New Orleans Saints and the Pelicans as well. Like I'm almost numb to this and I expect it because I've seen this time after time. Like I have watched the 2000 Western conference finals. We got host. Mm-hmm. Yes. We could have made X, Y, and Z down the stretch, but that's my point. Like we shouldn't have had to do that. Like we shouldn't have to play any better than we already are. I saw the Lakers steal the 2002 Western conference finals from the Sacramento Kings. I could give two shits about the Sacramento Kings franchise, but I am objective enough to see that they got robbed. Like it it just, it's unfortunate because the Blazers shot 33 free throws in game one. And I don't think we played too different on offense than we did in in game one. I think we were more aggressive. I I saw the Blazers try. I saw Gary Trent. I mean, when LeBron is actually extending the elbow, and yeah, he got called for it twice in, in game three, but he's constantly complaining about being called for that foul. You just know that there are going to be makeup calls down the stretch. And he got away with that in, in game one as well. So it's just unfortunate that this is what we're talking about. Like we're in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. Like, can we just have officials unbiasedly referee a game? If we lose, okay, you're a better team. So be it. Move on. Best of luck. I don't want to have to be talking to you, Sage, about the fact that we got absolutely shafted, especially in that first half. 
Like I can guarantee you if it had been more fairly officiated, we were probably up 10, 15 points and we're looking a lot better going into the third quarter. Even if we have a rougher third quarter, as we did again, giving up 40 points, we're still in the lead going to the fourth. Like there, there's a lot that can happen. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Like as a Blazer fan, like, I don't know if I would watch the NBA if there wasn't the Blazers, but I do. And I will never stop because that's my team. But God damn, Sage, it's just, I hate the fact that this is what we're opening with, but that's what I feel like. Like, I'm not trying to manufacture any storylines. Um, it is what it is. And I think the Blazers, they, unfortunately, the NBA, they want to find you but they will reward you if you call them out. And I saw Dame in the post-conference basically say it's hard to win a game when you see the other team just being paraded to the free throw line. Mm. Do you think that Terry Stotts needs to get a technical? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Terry Stotts needs to light in their ass. He needs to say this is horseshit. Nate McMillan said that same thing too against the the Miami Heat. Mm. The Heat got 52 free throws to, my, to Indiana's 28. Miami is another major market. Like, it shouldn't happen. It, it just – the Miami Heat, a team that shoots a trillion three-point shots, should not happen. So, yeah, I do. But I really they also have, like, three dudes that slash to the rim a lot, too. I mean, Jimmy Butler lives at the line. Goran Dragic gets contact Again, a lot. There, there sh- I, I've, I've seen enough NBA basketball. There should never be a 20-plus free throw discrepancy. Like, both teams play aggressive. Both teams pick their spots. There, there's, there's never, especially in today's NBA where jump shooting is prep, there, there should never be a 20 or more free throw discrepancy. That just, that just shows a bias in, in my, in my opinion. And I, I could be wrong, but that's, that's what I see from watching the Blazers and the rest of the league. As somebody who watches a lot of basketball, I don't know how I could feel with, you know, the NBA making a uh, issue and saying, you know, you have to make it so the uh, the the bigger market team has a uh, distinct advantage. And in my mind, I thought there were two games in this series where I was like, you know, I don't like to bitch about officiating, but this is a major factor in the game. And I don't want to believe that there's a conspiracy against us. I think they will call the whistle if we put them in a position to. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to personally think that there's a uh, you know we need the Lakers to 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 be well rested for the second round cuz rest really doesn't matter in in this type of playoff series is. So while I agree that the uh the the calls have been extraordinarily one-sided, I'm hoping that game 4 will be more of a uh, fairly called game. And I think Terry Stotts needs to needs to argue with the refs. You know, like if if Dame, CJ, Nurk, whoever argues with the ref, if they get two techs, they're out. I feel like a, a coach being able to stand up for your guys is way – it shows that that person is fighting for you. So I think that – when, if if and when it gets this shitty again with the biased uh, refing, I think Terry Stotts needs to light a fire under under the the refs' asses and show this is bullshit. What you're doing to my guys? 
And I, I really thought the Blazers played good defense. We again allowed the Lakers subpar shooting from downtown 10 of 30. We forced 17 turnovers. Um, it, it's just incredible to me, Sage, that the Lakers can shoot 78 times from the floor, us 95, and we still lose the game. Again, like the free throw discrepancy is what determined this game. Like we did a really nice job of forcing turnovers, uh, of making the players that we wanted to shoot three, shoot threes. Um, aside from the free throws, the Blazers have got to do a better job on the glass, especially mm. if you're going to start Hassan and Yusuf Nurkic, those two combined for 15 rebounds. The, the Lakers, once again, out-rebounded the Blazers uh, 55-38. to 38. And this is a similar trend we saw towards Game 2 of the Denver Nuggets series. And that was when Portland won Game 2 on the road, but Denver kind of propelled themselves back into that game by just crashing the offensive mm-hmm. glass. And that was a huge factor in that series all the way through through game seven i don't know if there's an answer for the blazers on the glass i don't know if they're they're gassed i would hope not again they had, they had four months off so they, they should did you really... see Nurkic though there were plays where he wasn't even in the green for offense and defense i mean but you called it he's probably a 28 to 30 minute player he's been asked to play 35 plus with 35 tonight and when you start hassan you have no depth and that's where Zach Collins and then Asir little comes into play. I was really surprised that Wenyan Gabriel only got four minutes. I, I thought that was a, just a travesty. Uh, I thought he played wonderful in the first, first game specifically. He gives a lot of energy and he also, he works for a lot of rebounds. So that that's on Terry Stotts. He needs to reward Wenyan with more minutes and, it just kind of is what it is with this Blazers roster as it stands. Like the, the bench isn't magnificent, like isn't just instantly going to get better. Like we played four bench players, Wenyan Gabriel, Mario Hazonia, Gary Trent Jr. And Anthony Simons. And we got eight total bench points that that's not going to get it done. And I saw Anthony Simons take a lot of wide open shots and he just didn't come close. I don't know what happened to Ant from, early on in the season to where he is now, but whatever confidence he had is just completely gone. Just gone. And, and he's, he's a, he has talent and he's one player who I thought would really thrive not playing in front of fans. So, you know, we talked, we rambled after the episode last week's, or excuse me, last episode's podcast about the draft, like Ant, has to start to perform otherwise the blazers if the best player available is is a point guard you're going to draft that point guard mm-hmm. we, we can't wait sit and wait for anthony to develop and again i'm not trying to knock anthony i'm not trying to make him any better or worse than he is but he is a good enough player to make an open shot and he's really just not even close right now and that's as one of portland's what three or four ball handlers healthy on this roster that's just crushing, crushing us right now that he is not able to make the Lakers pay. I think with that, the jumbo lineup starting, Wenyon was the person to get edged out of that rotation. We start big and then Mello can shift up. I think he deserves more than a two minutes, two, two minute stretches in the first half. With, with that change, he was the one player in the rotation to be most negatively affected by Hassan starting. 
because he would have gotten seven minutes first half, seven minutes second, and then, you know, a little spot rotation here and a little spot rotation there. With Hassan, his the, those 14-minute safe buffers are gone. My thing is, I look at Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's thinking way too much about every possession. And when he was at his peak last week or two weeks ago, it was a one or two dribble decision making. But now if he gets the ball off the short roll, he's dribbling four or five times. And then the Lakers can make up for the pick and roll. So I'm wondering what, what will make Nurk not have to be so worried about each possession? What can we do to give him some freedom offensively so he can play more more freely? Well, I mean, I thought he played – he got the opportunity to play pretty freely today. I think with Nurkic, and this is what we talked about from the jump, right, when we got to the bubble, he can be the best center in the league. How does that happen? Two things, health, consistency. Consistency is key. That's what makes Jokic and Embiid so difficult. They bring it damn near every night. With Nurkic, he's still a young pup. He missed basically this entire season. He was just hitting his stride before he really broke his leg against the the Brooklyn Nets. And again, I think we still need to reset expectations and realize this is his 12th regular season slash playoff game. That's a very small sample size. And for Nurkic, I think this is where maybe the leadership of Damian Lillard comes in. I think he needs to get into him a bit and really hype, start gassing him up and hyping him up and be like, you're the baddest motherfucker on this floor. Nobody the Lakers have out there is going to fuck with you. If you get an offensive foul, that's okay, big fella. One dribble, yam at home he can do that too many times he got the ball in the middle of the floor and i saw this timidness very weak one-footed floater bullshit like no you you're the bosnian beast there's no floater with the beast the beast yams at home that's what we need to see from nurkic because he is our equalizer if Mm. you want to double dame or you want to trap the pick and roll we can utilize him as a decision maker, just as we discussed last episode in the middle of the floor. Yeah, the short rule. Shoot that jumper with confidence, or you take one dribble and you get to the cup and you finish. So, I mean, there were plays where they did the full, the Lakers did a full switch AD on Dame, Danny Green or KCP on Nurk. They passed it down to Nurk. He took a few dribbles and then passed it back. Like, he has to. He has a small man on him. He has to make a move. And I, I wonder, Sage, if this is. But he's been doing. He's been doing. I, it I wonder if this is the, 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 if this is kind of like the product of today's NBA because you see big men get called for so many ticky tack fouls when a little man is guarding them. And I want to reference the game before us. It was OKC in Houston. Eric Gordon was defending Steven Adams in the post. OKC ended up scoring on this possession, but Steven Adams didn't even look to score. And Doris Burke and Mark Jones both called it out. I'm like, you know, I wonder, like, what is Steven Adams doing? Literally three possessions later, 
Adams goes on a fast break and is trying to seal off Eric Gordon. Perfectly legal seal, but because Gordon makes some sort of you know effort that he's getting held, they blow the whistle and they call off. It's a foul. I tend to wonder if the small ball is having an effect on the big man because a lot of times all it takes is a little bit of contact and I'm falling to the ground and that official is going to reward that smaller defender. It's like when you watch a smaller guy dunk, Oh my God, it's the best dunk ever. Big guy does the same duck, you know, crickets. So I, I, I think that does play into Nurk not being as dominant against a smaller defender. And but then I he'll think, go on fast breaks and try and yam it or, you know, be that lead initiator and then take a floater. I, I'm just saying, I think the way the NBA is officiating the big man in today's league is impacting but you but you see certain teams when that when that full switch happens they go to one they go to the big man against a smaller guy we talk about our bigs aggressiveness if there's a guy seven inches shorter than you and you can get an easy bucket try because i would rather them attempt the shot than reward the defense for being able to pull the full switch on our, our pick and roll. It has to be, we have to punish them for making the full switch. And that's either Dame or CJ breaks off Anthony Davis off the drib or Yusuf or Hassan scoring in the post. You see Carmelo Anthony score in the post. He He's not afraid of the potential of a foul. Nurkic, if there is a size mismatch that big, has to take advantage and at least try. I don't want to see, I don't want to see him passing out of deep position in the post. I don't want to either, and, and I'm not making an excuse. I'm just trying to explain reasoning. If, if you're a big man, and I think it's even more sensitive around the Blazers because we're basically playing six fucking players and we have no depth. So the bigs know. It's probably been hammered into them. Do not get into foul trouble. We cannot have you get into foul trouble. And I think that's probably having an adverse effect on attacking glass, taking advantage of a mismatch down low, because we're really one game away where one of our bigs gets an early foul trouble and it just, it lights out. Like we, our margin for error is super is razor thin. Yeah. But that's, I, that's, I would rather them at, at least it, attempt to attack the mismatch do two dribbles pass it out that gives the defense time to adjust to that whatever set we just ran to get an advantage is now gone and we wasted seven seconds attempting it i would rather nurk try and make a move rather than pass it out or you know set up his 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 guards who you know are 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 running and working in that first half but Nurk had only six attempts in that first half. If he's going to be the 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 man that we hope he is, he has to take more attempts and hustle back. Because Joe, bro, there were times where I did I saw a four on five fast break either way, and it's like, where's our fifth man? Oh, it's Nurkic not in the on the on the TV. He looked exhausted, and. Maybe he is just a Rick Smith's 28 minutes and he's done type of guy. But we also have to remember this is his first, this is his real first playoff series playing. Mm -hmm. He was, he was injured or 
skinny and not able yeah. to use his weight as an advantage. I mean, if he's posting up against a small, you know how hyped people would be if he just took advantage of whoever three times in a row like Melo did? That that would get the team hyped, seeing Nurkic take advantage of a small. What did you think about Melo in that third quarter when our offense was essentially give it to Melo and let him 1v1 and take a contested jumper? What did you think that did for us? Because I think that uh, it got Damon CJ off the rhythms because they were forcing it to him. And then Melo happened to make it, which is great, but now Damon CJ aren't in rhythm for that fourth quarter at all. I mean, on one hand, Portland tied for their highest output of the game. They had 29 points in that third quarter. I don't think offense was anything to to scoff at in that third. It was the defense and, and you know the foul trouble we got into. It seemed like every quarter the Lakers were in the bonus with you know six or seven minutes to go. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's fun having those mellow highlights. But at the end of the day, he had 20 points on 20 shots. You know, we didn't get to the foul line. Like, you look, 9 of 20 is, is not a bad line. Like, so that's 45%. You're one away from getting 50, which is, you know, really damn good. But 20 on 20 just isn't going to cut it. No free throw attempts. Mm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's tough. Um, you know, hopefully it gets them going for, for game four. Like, I didn't mind a lot of the shots. It was really the first half when, like, when Melo gets the ball and he has a small on him, okay, go to work. Any other time, Melo needs to be a catch-and-shoot player. When he tries to play make, it, it doesn't work. And, you know, I still have seen a couple of possessions where he's one dribble pull-up. It's, it's just a wasted possession. So Well, it's kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge, bro. That's exactly like LaMarcus. That our offense comes to a halt when he touches the ball and wants to ISO. It reminds me of LaMarcus Aldridge with Dame, Wes, Nick, and Rolla watching him do whatever he does. It really becomes just that black hole when he's on the ISO tip. When he's catching and shooting, he makes really good decisions. Like even when he was on his his spree of taking shots, there was one time where Hassan's man helped and Melo reluctantly passed it to Hassan for a dunk. He he's kind of gets in his own way with how he plays offense. When if, if he's just in places where he succeeds, he is a real bonus to the team. But when he forces stuff, it gets it gets bad. Because in that first half, he was ultra inefficient. That third quarter saved him from looking real bad. That's why I tweeted the mellow rotation. It saved his efficiency and it saved like looking like a, a, a overmatched player to oh, he contributed. How did you feel the the change in the starting lineup, moving Gabriel to the bench and inserting Hassan Whiteside? Um, how do you, how did you feel about that after seeing a full game? Well, we've se- we've seen the jumbo lineup now, you know, twenty times in these these games now. There's benefits and cons. I just want to know how it will affect use of Nurkic. I think Hassan absolutely does help in this in the jumbo lineup but if we play it too much does it negatively affect Nurkic because the paint touches are severely limited because you can't you can't uh run our offense with two guys in the post 
Oh yeah, and Hassan's staying in the post too. So Hassan's absolutely. I mean, it's what's best for him because he can get offensive rebounds and dunk it. He did it a few times today. In that, in our offense, Hassan's the dunker spot. Nurkic is the shooter. So does it directly affect Yusuf's production to a point where we're we're talking about what's happening to him? Because if that's the case, I don't like it. But I really like it for the minutes that are played if you ignore Nurk's production. When Hassan's on the court, does Yusuf's drop in production, is it more of a drop than the team's boosted production? Like we're comparing Nurk's minus to the team's plus. It's tough to say. I think Hassan definitely plays better when he starts. Uh, That's no surprise. He's just one of those guys that... He runs a lot harder. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. Like, Sharif Abdurrahim was that, that same type of player. I know he and Zach Randolph didn't really work too well because they both needed a start. Mm. Um, I think it's the same thing with Hassan. I, I think Terry Stotts will probably run that same rotation again to start it. Um, I think it could be pulled a little sooner. If it's directly affecting Yusuf's production... But it, it shouldn't, though, and that's the thing. Like, the I think it's a mental thing with Yusuf because he takes the same quality of shots, but it just looks less confident. If Hassan's able to set solid screens, we saw that that play I referenced to start the third quarter where Hassan was the screen setter. Dame got to the lane. Nurk's man left. Dame dished it to Nurk, and he got what should have been an and one, but he dunked at home. That could be flipped. Like Hassan can be the dunker spot. Like that's where I think it can work. Um, if you got enough spacing, obviously Mello's a threat. It's about Nurkic, though. That's where that's where the 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 issue lies. Hassan starting shouldn't affect Nurkic. If that does, then we have a much larger problem on our hands. Like I, I don't know. Like one, we have to consider like Nurkic is a human being. He just lost his grandmother. He's probably been wrestling with the decision to return home and then his grandmother ended up passing away and there's a lot going on like it's not just basketball that's being played so i think we do need to put that out in the open and reference that he he's a human being he's not a robot this is also his 12th game like again i'm not trying to make excuses for this team i'm just trying to state facts and these are the facts at hand this is also the 12th game they've played together. Hassan and Nurkic, like we do not have our continuity and we do not have our chemistry. Those were huge factors that we had leading up to last year's postseason run. Th- this roster that we have right now is a smorgasbord of some old heads, Damon CJ, throw Nurk in there a little bit, and just a bunch of noobs. Uh, this is a, a just, they haven't played together. That They don't know where each other likes the ball, like, oh, you're going to ISO? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay stay back. Like, there's there's not a whole lot of rhythm, a whole lot of flow, unless Dame or CJ just decide to go silly mm-hmm. and, and take over a game. Like, that's where I think a lot of Blazer fans just fail to, to realize what's actually going on and how much of an uphill battle this really was. Like, there's a reason I predicted the Lakers to win in six. One, we're missing – we were missing two starters at the jump. We, we've lost Nasir and Zach along the way. So that's four, four key players. And now we're, we're messing with lineups. I mean, Carmelo Anthony wasn't on the roster to start the season and we're going a, a bigger lineup. It, it's just, 
it's it's a lot. Like I am not the biggest Terry Stotts fan, but it's really hard for me to put this on him right now. It's really hard for me to put this on a single player. It just is what it is. Like this, I'm I'm honestly thankful we're just here, and that's why I'm not like super pissed off or super upset. Um, I wish we would have played harder in game two. Um, that's probably my my biggest my biggest irk. But like the officials kind of dicked us over. We could be up two one. I think we're a better team, completely healthy. Like this Laker team ain't winning a championship. So get your you know get your jollies off right now, Laker fans. That's that's fine. But you're not winning a championship. Um, the the Blazers. This this is a trial. This is an audition, so to say, so to speak, for next season. Like, who are we going to keep? Who are we going to move forward with? What rotations work? What don't? This has already been a success. Like, we went six and two in the bubble, won our play-in game. We're getting amazing contribution from Gary Trent Jr. And Dame is still one of the best players in the league. I mean, I, did, did I mention that CJ's playing with a, a fracture in his back and Dame fracture, you know, has a dislocated, you know, left index finger? Like, the the amount of shit just keeps piling on the Portland Trailblazers. Like uh, this isn't, uh, this isn't normal. Like this is not normal. So don't. If we were able to absorb the cost, whether it be financially or I guess want and desire to, we would have had like two injury exceptions the entire year. That's how weird this season is. It's one of those one in a, one in a hundred type of seasons. We've gone through a lot. But I think that the one thing that I would like to know is Hassan Whiteside, the Nurkic insurance that we absolutely need. So at this limited time, do you think that Yusuf and uh, Hassan can work together as a tandem on the court together? Or if we resign Hassan, is it 28-22 in terms of rotation minutes? I think I've, I think I've seen enough. Um, Hassan needs to start, and that's not a knock on him. Like like I mentioned, some players are just some players are just starters in this league. Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson, probably two of the other ones that just they're starters. For Hassan coming off the bench, he's just not as productive. Like he's not someone that can, he's not a monstrous Harold. He's not going to bring that intensity and that energy and, you know, energize his teammates. And then I think in today's modern NBA, like the Lakers are really one, one of the handful of teams that we can actually get away playing Hassan and, and Yusuf together. And like, this isn't a knock on Hassan. I just don't think that the two of them together is punishing the opposition enough if they're going small. Like, we would never do this against the Houston Rockets. We, we would never start Hassan and, and Nurkic together. I think the Blazers need to realize, okay, Nurkic is our, our, our future center. Like, he's a pillar of the franchise. You know, I, I think you could have a conversation with Hassan and say, hey, like, we would love to have you back for X amount of dollars. You're going to be our sixth or seventh man. Are you interested? Yes or no. And then you can kind of go from there. Like, it's it's a little irritating because I do feel like Hassan is a talented player, and I wish he was better coming off the bench than he is. He's a much better starter. But if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it's no knock on Hassan. Maybe we go out and, and 
you know, we bring back NS Cantor, who was fabulous off the bench, and he's just a great rebounder. Yeah, I mean, it's just a mentality of who, you know, it's it's human beings with their egos and, you know. It's a role. Like, we're looking for a backup center to play, what, 20 minutes a night. And potentially four minutes with Nurkic. Yeah, that, that is a role we are looking for. Like, are you willing to take that role? You know, it, and it's Hassan is on this team. It's we have to do our due diligence with those two together and separate and how, you know, how they would potentially work. Luckily for those two in this experiment, we're going against one of the few teams that could handle this, those two playing, you know, X amount of minutes together. You know, this it's like the Toronto Raptors test. The Raptors didn't play Ibaka and Marcus all together at all because they were, they don't work well together. So is 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 uh, Hassan gonna be Serge Ibaka in this scenario? If he is, I don't know if that's a good that's a good role because Yusuf we need insurance with with Yusuf where that player can also be on the court with him and be the the main guy off the bench. So right now we're doing our due diligence for this the the tandem at center. Will it work? Will it not? Not enough information to make a decision. So. I, I do hope playing that the cards that we have. Yeah. We we have very little in our hands. Mm-hmm. Like we really played six players tonight. Do you think Ant playing now is going to help or hurt him? I mean, I'm not trying to be hard on Anthony, but my, my gosh, I hope it can't hurt him any worse. Like he played 14 minutes tonight. Oh, a four, Oh, three from downtown. One steal did not four personal fouls did not rack up any other statistics. Um, I, you know, you can always say it, it cannot, it can never get worse. Like, you know, but it, can. it absolutely can. It could it, ruin it, his confidence it, more. Exactly. Um, the bottom line is we need Anthony Simons. We need another ball handler out there. He's not as wild as Mario Hazonia, mm-hmm. which, which is wonderful. Um, but again, his confidence isn't there, but maybe he has a, a moment where he's, we saw him play well in that final game against uh, the Thunder when he was starting in, in the seeding games, right before the seeding game started. It was a scrimmage. He looked fantastic. He looked like he was just having fun playing up there. I, I don't know. that. That's been one of the more perplexing storylines that I don't think any member of the media has either been willing to cover or thought about to cover. But he went from budding star to complete afterthought to liability. And that's not the trajectory you want from that's absolutely not your first round pick. Like if I'm Terry Stotts, I'm still rolling with him because again, the hand that you were dealt, you, you don't have a lot of options right now. Sage, you, you kind of got to say we need you because we can't play Damon CJ more. They played 43 minutes each tonight. They can't play anymore. They're going to, he's going to have to play. He's going to have to bring the ball up the floor because that loosens it up for Damon CJ. Um, so the Blazers are, are just, it is what it is with this roster and we're going to have to accept that. And we likely won't get past the Lakers, but we're going to have to give it our, our damnedest effort. Maybe Ant played three uh, stints. He played three rotations. If he's not doing well and it's hurting his confidence, we have Jalen Adams for a reason. It could be, he could be the Anthony Simons insurance. Like, if if he's struggling and it's gonna be an issue with his confidence, we have very little invested in Jalen Adams. 
throw him in, see what happens. We have to, we have to play a guy that can dribble and bring the ball up. Let's see what the, the young buck can do in minutes. We just invested so much more in Anthony and we have to take care of him. Jalen Adams, we signed him, but he doesn't have a future on this team. I wouldn't mind throwing him in to see what happens if Ant's getting blitzed. It, it, it just, we just need production. We just need ball handling and a little bit of production to give Dame and CJ, who are both injured right now, time to recuperate. I just need somebody that's going to knock down a wide-open shot. Ant had a lot of good looks. Ant, yeah, definitely had a lot of good looks. From the G League games that I've watched, totally different scenario, I know. Jalen's fine shooting these shots. There's a good chance that he doesn't overthink shit. Overthinking is a major issue with our team, whether it be Nurk, Zach Collins, Anthony Simons. That, that, that hesitation from those guys is kind of an issue right now. You know, you don't see Dame have like hesitation in his mind on what he wants to do. He'll, he'll drive. If someone makes a effort to stop him, he'll kick. It's kind of like he's playing blues while everybody else is playing jazz and it's more controlled in their mind. Dame's way more loose with what he's doing I really hope Ant comes out and hits some shots in the next game because that confidence, you're seeing it. You're seeing him not be confident in him in his shots. We also talked about the draft too, and Ant essentially in this series could be auditioning for his future role in this team. Like mm-hmm. if he fails to rise to the occasion, Neil O'Shea could be sitting there with, you know, a Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, Tyrese Maxey, or Tyrese Maxey, and he's like, you know, I, I thought I had my guy named Anthony Simons, but, you know, I don't know anymore. I, I'm really, you know, I'm torn between, you know, maybe a, a good small forward or a really good backup point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might go with the backup point guard because I'm uncertain with what I have on Anthony Simons. And again, I'm not sure. Small forward is always going to be a need in the NBA. Let's get that right. And if the, the tiers are the same, I go for the wing just because of what the NBA is. But with Gary Trent, do we want another small forward to take potential minutes from him? Oh, there's Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony, two people that we believe can fit into a role. Like, Anthony needs to show up because we have these picks, we have these BAE, MLE. We could use it on a point guard. You tweeted about how good Goran Dragic is. Like... Goran Dragic is going to take all of Penny's minutes and he, what's he going to be left with? I think if the Blazers are serious about extending the longevity of Damian Lillard's career, they will identify a backup point guard. We cannot continue to put the weight of the franchise on, Mm -hmm. on this man's shoulders and ask him to play the league leading minutes year after year and expect him to to keep up his production for for many more seasons. He's going to need a a reprieve. He's going to need some someone to come in and, and give him a night off once in a while, or to let him play twenty four minutes if that 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 needs to be the case. Uh, we need a legitimate backup point guard who's going to run the offense, be able to score the basketball, steady the flow, and, and at least keep the score where it's at. And, mm-hmm. and whenever Dame or CJ goes out of the game, we are just 
collectively as a fan base, just praying that shit doesn't get significantly worse. (laughs) Um, and, And it's been, aside from the 18, 19 season, when we had Seth Curry, this has been our bugaboo. We have never had a backup point guard for Damian Lillard. And Seth was injured a good portion of the year. It's Seth Curry and Mo Williams have been his best backups, right? I think so. Because it, it's it's Mo Williams, Tim Frazier, Sebaz Napier, uh, Seth, and Anthony. Old Steve Blake. Old Steve. Old Steve Blake, too. Any of them, would any of them be a rotation player on a good team that wasn't the Blazers at that time? We've kind of gone cheap. We've gone cheap with that backup point guard. As much as I love Shabazz Napier, no. Well, and Shabazz Napier, like, he's 27 right now. He's an old, like, people give him chances like he's a young point guard. He's not a young point guard anymore. He spent time in UConn. He spent time with us and uh, Minnesota and Miami. I think it is time for us to invest a significant something into a point guard. And we were hoping, like, remember Neil O'Shea saying that this was the most talented guy he's ever drafted? I think that was the worst thing he could have done to Anthony Simons. Oh, yeah, because it, it put the expectations on him sky high like he's Blake Griffin when, in reality, he's a talented 21-year-old. So it put unfair expectations on him. And in our minds, when we were talking about this year, it was like, we don't need a backup point guard. We got Anthony Simons. What yeah, and I'm going to tell you, Sage, during all of our summer podcasts, we didn't. I wasn't sweating at all. I was like, exactly. It's going to suck to lose Seth Curry, but we got Ant. Like, look how good exactly. he did. Look that how was- he swung that narrative about Anthony Simons. He did him such an injustice because are you really ready to put that much pressure on a young person who's just learning their body, just learning his new job? Totally unfair to him. I loathe to X amount of our rotation, but I think for Damien, who is the person that we have to care about the most, we have to get a legitimate backup point guard. A backup point guard? You know, I've said this all bubble. We need a backup point guard. I think we need a backup five. And we need a backup, we need a starting four. Mm-hmm. And this was before we got the news, Sage, that it was something I think at least I was expecting, and I'm pretty sure you were as well. Once we the got stress the stress fracture, though? I wasn't expecting the a MRI result with a stress reaction. Um, Excuse I, me. I, well, no, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just like, a rea- I've never heard no, of that before. Drew Holiday had it. I I, I know about them reactions. And, and I think Zach say that he didn't roll it. He didn't feel like it just, it just started hurting. Like That's not a good sign. Like mm-hmm. he already wasn't performing well, but to have that injury, I mean, that could be something where, Again, he's going to be on a minutes restriction next year. You know he's going to be on minutes restriction. Absolutely, next year. and he's going to have no trade value. So the Blazers, I mean, they got to get themselves a starting power forward. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have to figure it out with their mid level exception. Um, one, you don't want to give Zach away for nothing, but two, you also don't want to make the mistake and Hit sign him, yeah, for a second contract off of potential. Like, you know, I, f- I feel bad for, for for Zach, but at the same time, the Blazers need to be really smart with what they do because a lot of teams can get emotionally invested in players they've drafted. Yeah. We can't kick the can down the road if we aren't 100% confident in Zach Collins. And since Drew Holiday has had a stress stress reaction and uh, there's going to be a solid 
cannot push past minutes restriction for Zach Collins next year. And that's going to be tough to have legitimate production from a guy that is capped at a certain minutes limit. And I don't know the minutes limit, but I know that there's going to be one that exists. You know, those stress reactions are real. Like Karis Levert had it. Drew Holiday had it. Alan Crabb had it. Like you have to be really, really careful or that shit comes back. So you have to rest Zach and give him the, the rest and recovery that he needs or that shit will actually come back. It's, it's stress reactions are frightening. Game four, six o'clock Pacific standard time, Monday night, either on TNT or locally on NBC sports Northwest. What are you looking for as the Blazers? This is base. It's not a winner go home, but, but it might as well be a must win game. If you're the Blazers looking to extend the series. I want to see us play for one another. This quite possibly could be the second to last time this exact team plays together because of the roster movement of the NBA. It's going to be impossible for every member to stay. So I would like them to fight for their team and put in good effort defensively. I would like for this season to extend longer. The main thing is effort playing for your brother and that means making that second effort to stop the open shot. You see CJ and Dame doing it a lot in this series. Let's have it so everybody makes that second effort instead of just one effort on a defensive play. Yeah, you know, that's something I realized heading into tonight's game is that, you know, we only have a handful of games left. And Adam Silver was, you know, really quoted as saying he thinks December 1st is an early timeline to start the next season. He quote unquote wants fans in in the arenas, which I think is absolutely foolish until there is a vaccine. So this could be the, you know, second to last third Mm -hmm. to last game that that we get to watch of the, the trailblazers for four, five months, like Lord, who knows, like this, Mm -hmm. this could be a longer than usual offseason the future more so now than ever is uncertain so you know just enjoy the games I know it's tough when you feel like you're you're getting the short end of the stick and those third quarter blues keep you know keep hitting us but um hopefully we still have one one to two magic moments left in us and, and we're able to to put pressure on the Lakers to to beat us um, because that's they're the favorites for for a reason. They're, they're the one seed, and they they should be ahead two one in this series. So for me, I'm just you know looking to enjoy some basketball. I, I still in my heart believe that Damian Lillard has, has a big performance up his sleeve, and I really liked the looks that he was able to get uh, tonight. He scored 34, seven assists, five rebounds. And CJ played fantastic. Let's acknowledge he had 28, eight and four, two steals. Uh, you know, eight 12, rebounds, eight, eight rebounds. rebounds for CJ McCollum. Yep. Like, come on. Like they, they he played so fucking well. And that's why that loss kind of hurts. It's we got a really good game from our backcourt, but again, with the free throw discrepancy, it's hard, hard to see. So my X factor, you know, I, I've got quite a few and I, I think the Blazers whether it's in their control or not, they have to be within 10 of the free throw discrepancy. Um, there's no way 
fair or not that they're going to win a game where the opposition shoots 23 more free throws at halftime than you mm-hmm. and, and ends up shooting 24 more for the game, um, especially when you're the AC, that, that's not going to happen. So they, they need to figure out a way to keep that discrepancy uh, within reason. Uh, the, the other couple of factors I want to touch on, rebounding. This has been a, a bugaboo for the Blazers probably since the second half of game one. I don't know if, if they're playing with heavy legs because their rotation is really six players. I, I I honestly don't know if they're afraid of fouling because they know they only have six players to play with. I, I really don't know, but they need to do a good job of keeping the Los Angeles Lakers off of the defensive glass. Uh, you know, once again, the Lakers out rebounded Portland 55 to 38. And, you know, the Lakers, they, they, they did get 43 defensive rebounds, but the Blazers only shot 41% from the field. Um, so th- there's your rebounding, you know, right there. But, you know, when it comes, push comes to shove in the fourth quarter, you can't allow the Lakers to have multiple opportunities multiple chances, yeah. on the offensive end of the floor. And lastly, three point shooting. Yes, we were 12 of 35 tonight for 34%. We outshot the Lakers from downtown, but. The arc is our bread and butter. If we're going to win, it's going to be from beyond the arc. We're going to have to catch fire. Like we need, we need Ant to shoot better than O of three. You know, Gary was one of three. We need Gary to get more looks. Uh, Dame and CJ were, were decent. They shot nine of 23. But again, we just need one of those like super nuclear games to get back into the series. And, you know, if, if it's not game four, uh, it's when is probably- it? be so my x factor is going to be damian lillard like i think he's going to have to go 45 plus um look for him to be aggressive right off the jump set the tone get the lakers on their heels uh, i thought the blazers did a magic a marvelous job they got out to a good start it's it's that third quarter so i mean we're, we're blazer fans we, we've all seen this team in the bubble we, we know what their flaws are what they need to do better so you know i feel like we're just kind of stating the obvious at this point i want cj mccollum to get six rebounds six assists he's gonna get buckets if he has the opportunity he's gonna get buckets if he can get those six assists and six rebounds i feel a lot i feel confident but you mentioned rebounding we as a we there was no individual that was boarding at a good enough rate so the whole the team has to rebound, but CJ McCollum's been hustling for him. So I'd like him to keep it up and then I think the Blazers need to value their possessions a little bit more. And what I mean by that is with the margin of error so so thin, we can't afford for Mario Hozoni to hoist up a three. Um we can't afford for Carmelo Anthony to do one dribble pull like pull-ups like Every possession needs to be a game seven, like win or go home. Like we need to really value that possession and make the most of it. Like there's no way that that we should have 17 more attempts at the field and shoot 41%. Like that shouldn't happen. The Lakers made just as many field goals as we did and took 17 less shots. Like the Blazers have got to get better looks. Like the Lakers aren't going to, they're not this all-world defensive team. They're, they're, they're just a very average defensive team, to be quite honest. The Blazers, if they move the ball and they stop standing around and watching, and again, I don't know if it's on the players. I don't know if it's on the coach. I'm not a fly on the wall just like you. But they need to make a commitment to moving the ball and moving off the ball. 
So I'm looking at uh, CJ McCollum gets in the playoffs 5.5 potential assists. I would like to see that a little bit higher. Nurk also gets that much. I think you're being a little disrespectful to the Lakers defense because they are a good defense, but we just have to we have to ignore that and realize that this is kind this is this is late playoff time and if they don't want the season to end, they got to make some plays. Doing this every night there isn't that many creative ways to say that the, the X factors are there. I think we we've hit it every single night. Just play with pride. Now like, you might not play basketball for five months at the minimum. Like that's... Because I'm going to go down swinging. You know, I, I got the Blazers winning this game. Like I, I am not predicting the Lakers to win another game this series because it's fuck the Lakers. And you know, if we lose, we lose, but I, I'm going with, with my squad. Yeah, you... I mean, at this point, why would you, why would you want to predict? If you're in our shoes, why would you want to predict a Lakers win? Like, if we even the series four four, it feels or two two, it feels so much better than we have to win three games just to bring it to game seven. So it, the outlook on the series is changed so much from from a win on Monday to a loss. Like that it's so enormous. Blazers have to win it. And then it becomes a best of 3. We're tied at four, 2. It becomes a best of 3 and the, that feels a lot easier and to handle than we have to win 4 in a row. Yeah, I, I just want to see some some extra scrap, extra fight. I want to see the Blazers play just desperate and not that they're not laying it on the line, but I think when you're down 2-1, you have no home court to go to. you got to create your own energy. Knowing you go down 3-1 is almost like, you know, GG's game over. we got to come out and play like we're about to go get sent home from the bubble. Mm-hmm. We really need to just claw, scrap, fight, kick, scream, whatever it takes. That's what I'm looking for, and we'll, we'll know when we see it when we're recording after um, Game Four Monday night. You know, we're we're extraordinarily proud of what the Trailblazers have accomplished due to this season. Let's just be greedy and get one extra win, or two extra wins, or three extra wins. Let's just be greedy with the time that we have with it with this team. You got anything else you want to say? Are we wrapping? Uh, just vote. That's it. Vote, vote, vote. All right. You, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Nothing But Net Radio, Dash Radio, Tuesdays, two, 2 to 3, Pacific Eastern, 4 to 5. And uh, if you've listened this far, you're a real one. And thank you for uh, listening to our show. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let-